My name is Will Simmons. I serve on staff here as a missions associate and prayer team lead. My wife, Megan, and I are covenant members here at the well. Uh, we are part of the Manchac CG, and uh, we have an 11-month-old daughter named Joanna. That's right. That's right. Let's go. Uh, today, I'll be reading Matthew 9, 36 through chapter 10, verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This is the word of the Lord. Beloved, how are we? Good, good, good. Good to be with you all this afternoon. We ready? Cool. Let's dive in. Hey, we are on week two of our uh, series on One Place, really asking God and thinking about uh, who he would have us reach that does not know Jesus and how do we actually uh, partner with the Spirit of God to reach uh, people that may be far from God, that they would come to know our Lord. As a very brief reminder, and if you missed last week, I would deeply encourage you to go listen to it uh, because today's sermon will assume knowledge of last week's sermon to some extent. Uh, But throughout this series, we're focusing on different convictions and distinctives that we believe make the well the well. As we kind of regather as a church family, we want to keep and maintain what made this church a true family and a family that is on mission together. And what are the things that we believe and what do we feel convicted that God is calling us towards? And within this, we're also uh, representing things that we hope to be and hope to see as a church as well, as we really partner to exalt Jesus together. And so uh, there's a chart that kind of uh, overlays our mission and vision. We said we want to exalt, disciple, and then send. And within that, we have 10 core convictions. These are the 10 things that we're never going to bend away from, that we feel like this is what we are always going to do as the church of God. Today, we're focusing on reaching the lost. And you saw the long definition last week, but the two distinctives within reaching the lost, the things that we say, this kind of sets us apart. This is uh, what we believe that uh, reaching the lost means and what it looks like for us is one, we say that every soul is one Jesus longs for. We really believe that every person Jesus bled and died for, and they have an opportunity to come to know Christ as their Savior. Within that, we also say we want to focus on one place, that we would be strategic in where we are partnering with the Spirit of God to make much of Jesus, and that we'd be intentional about wherever we might be, wherever God might call us, so that we would see God move in some really clear ways and find people falling in love with the the lover and the maker of their soul. Within this, we created a tool that I would really encourage you to use. I think it would be helpful. You can go to thewellaustin.com forward slash evangelism, and there's a one-place tool that kind of helps us think about this place at large. You could download it on your phone. It's saved on my home screen, and it's just an easy way to begin to think about, God, where are you calling me to? How can I be praying for these people? What are prayer requests that God has given to me, etc.? And so last week, we focused on that first 
first section there, uh, and we really looked at God's heart for those who do not know him and how we can find our one place that we're going to be intentional ambassadors in. This week, we're focusing on the second piece of that, prayer, and the last piece of that, five people. And we're hoping that each covenant member that calls the well home would spend at least two hours monthly uh, praying over their one place and that they would try to build five relationships with people who do not know Jesus in that place and that we'd be praying for those individuals as well. Now, we'll explain both of these throughout the sermon because I understand that two hours is actually a lot, and we'll even get really practical about how we can be praying. But we genuinely believe as an elder board that if we commit to this, then we'll see beautiful things happen amongst people who currently do not have a relationship with Christ. I don't know about you, but I was old enough to remember what it meant to live life apart from Jesus. And I know the value and the importance and the longing of my heart. And we say, look, one, every soul is one Jesus longs for. We long to see people fall in love with their maker. We know that that will bring satisfaction to the soul. And so we want to be intentional about how we are doing that. And so today's sermon is titled, The Necessity of Prayer in Evangelism. I believe that so many of us, myself included, do not see the results that we long to see about people coming to know who Jesus is. We don't don't see the results for people loving and following Christ because we do not do the work that produces the fruit of those results, the least intimidating part of evangelism, prayer. Y'all tracking with that? This is the easiest part of it, right? Like this is something that we do between us and God and actually spurs on our intimacy with God in the process. By the way, so that we're on the same page today, evangelism is simply sharing the good news of Jesus with someone. All right, so if we want, I'm using that word a lot today, but because of the person and work of Jesus on the cross, we can now have relationship with God again, eternal life for our souls. Our sin separated us and Christ's death unified us to God. Now every longing of the soul that we have can be satisfied in Christ. And so there was a need and Christ fills the gap. There was beef, Christ squashed the beef, okay? And so I pray that as we pray, we would actually see our effectiveness increase and we would see our efforts increase in the midst of this as well. R.A. Tory, he was a pastor and a writer and a theologian. I'm not talking about myself in third person, okay? Tory's his last name. He was a very, very famous evangelist in the last century. He ran Moody Bible College and started Biola uh, in L.A. He literally saw hundreds of thousands of people come to faith through his ministry, like a literal number, hundreds of thousands, okay? He said this, the most important human factor in effective evangelism is prayer, Every great awakening in the history of the church from the time of the apostles until today has been the result of prayer. There have been great awakenings without much preaching, and there have been great awakenings with absolutely no organization, but there has never been a true awakening without much prayer. The history of the church demonstrates beyond a question that the most important human factor in the evangelism of the world is prayer. 
That makes sense, and I think we see the fruit of it even in our passage today. If you go to what we read beginning in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, we actually see that Jesus had compassion over the people, and this compassion led him to prayer, or dare we say, prayer actually provoked his compassion. I believe that we often lack the motivation or the courage to share our faith with others and to bring them the medicine that their soul needs because we lack compassion and we lack prayer. And so one of the reasons why we pray, today we'll be looking at what we should pray and why we pray for those who do not know Jesus. One of the reasons why we pray is that it increases evangelism. And there's a slide for that as well. Uh, What you pray for, you end up caring about and finding boldness and confidence in. Don't miss that, saints of God. What you pray for, you end up growing in this intimate compassion and in this intimate zeal for the individual, and you always find boldness or confidence in those requests towards those people. It makes sense that Jesus cared deeply for these people because leading up to this point, Jesus had continually been praying over lost people. He had been continually praying for the mission that God had given him. And so a first step of becoming a minister of reconciliation is prayer. Because if you align your heart with God's heart, which happens in the closet of prayer, then you will naturally go out into the harvest. Notice that Jesus saw the crowds, it says there at the beginning part of verse 36, meaning that he was with them or he was amongst them. If you think back to our evangelism tool with prayer and presence and people, Jesus had presence amongst those who did not know him. He spent time around them. He knew them. He saw them in that way. When we are with others, we begin to see them the way that God sees them. Allah, our sermon last week, not seeing anyone according to the flesh, we realize that people have souls. That's why I kind of harp sometimes about getting off social media because you don't see the individual that you're responding to. But when you're with someone and you're able to see their brokenness or you hear their story and you learn why they're acting the way they act, it automatically grows what? Compassion. And as a compassionless culture, we as the church are called to be like our maker who has compassion on all of us. And we're praying, and as we're praying, I believe we grow in compassion. Compassion, it's an emotional response of the heart that makes our hands move to action, right? It's an emotional response of the heart that makes our hands begin to move or our mouths move in action. In prayer, I believe it births the labor of our hands and of our mouth. And what do we pray for here? Well, Jesus says that we pray for the harvest. And so that's one of the first things that we pray for is the harvest, for people to come to faith in Jesus is what Jesus is saying here in this analogy. That's part of the reason that we have a prayer team actually here at the well. We ask them to pray for the lost often because we believe that God moves at this request because we know that we're praying according to the will of God for every soul is one Jesus longs for. And so this is why we are praying often. In fact, it's why we ask you for your prayer requests because we believe that God moves in prayer. And so whether that's prayer requests for people who do not know the Lord or even for our own soul, for whatever reason, the mystery of prayer is that when we pray, God responds to the prayers of the saints. 
And so we pray with confidence and with faith, believing that God hears us. Prayer in crazy mystery, y'all, it moves the hand of God. Now, we don't forsake God's sovereignty. We believe in that desperately as a church. And yet, in mystery, we see us acting with God in prayer. Notice Jesus isn't just passively saying this either. He says that we pray earnestly is what it says there because prayer is one of the great works of people coming to know Jesus. Like how many people do you think prayed for you before you came to faith? Like think about that, right? Like generations past, okay? Like I right now am likely standing here with this gift of salvation as the result of the prayers that my great grandparents prayed for the harvest of God towards. Now, on my mom's side, I actually know that there was very little gospel fruit. There was not a whole lot of people who knew Jesus until this generation and praise God, it started spreading throughout that side of the family as well. But from my dad's side, we can actually trace back where people are coming to faith all the way back to slavery. And so in irony, in the midst of all of this injustice, the God of the Bible comes and meets my great ancestors and they begin praying and we see generations generations of fruit that turns this evil into unbelievable kingdom good. God is good, y'all. He responds in the prayers of the saints, which is why we should be praying for Afghanistan because God moves at the prayers of God's people. In fact, real quick, listen, uh, think about it, okay? I want you to think about, man, if you were the first to come to faith in your family, praise God, some minister was praying for you, some people were praying for you. If you've been in a generation of believers, praise God, somebody prayed for that harvest at some point. And we need to be able to see this. And so you are likely the fruit of saints' prayer, family. And others can be the fruit of our prayer as well. In fact, I want you to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. And as you're turning there, and it will be on the screen too if you don't have your Bibles, but there's this weird little thing that's happening at 1 Corinthians 3. What's happening here is that they're all arguing about who they think the dopest person is. And so they're like, yo, Paul led me to faith, sucker, right? As if that was better for their sanctification. They're like, well, shoot, Apollos, he a better preacher than Paul, and he led me to faith. And so they're doing this really awkward thing, and Paul takes that sin and actually turns it in some really beautiful ways. Look at me with verse 5, beginning of verse 5. Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? I love that. Not who, what? <laughs> Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Notice that each had a different part in the process of someone coming to faith in Jesus. And so this is one of the reasons why we pray is that prayer is a part of the process. Jesus says, even in that Matthew passage, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest for the harvest. So prayer is a part of the salvific process. So think about all of the people who plant and all of the people who water, and then God gives the increase. We may not always see the fruit of our evangelism, but we are a part of the work of evangelism if we pray. Y'all tracking with that? Like, I used to get mad 
when I would like see somebody else get the fruit of all the work that I did in evangelism. Like I remember one time very specifically, I was sharing the gospel with this one brother for like two straight years. And I was with them and my presence was there. My prayer was there. My proclamation was there. He was one of my people. And I was just always sharing the gospel with him. And do you know how some people just got that gift of evangelism? And so literally I brought my boy around and he's like, hey, yo, what up? What's your name? And he's like, I repent of all my sins and follow Jesus as my Lord. I'm like, nah, dog, it don't work like that. I did that fruit, all right? And we can be tempted to feel like that at some times, right? But look, y'all, I was a part of the process, was I not? I'm missing what is important in the midst of this. And I think some of us, we grow weary in our evangelism because we've been praying for our family member for decades and we don't realize we're a part of that process, y'all. We're a part of the process if we are faithful in what God has called us to do. And so, so many of us have so much work in the harvest and we have no idea where we are in that process, but God calls us to faithfulness in the harvest. And prayer is a piece of this. Like follow the analogy real quick that Paul is laying out for us here. If the soil of the heart is bad, it's not ready for seed, right? And so maybe your prayers are the turning of the soil, Or maybe you inviting them to church is you watering the soil. Or maybe you sharing your testimony is you keeping the bugs away that will re-ruin the soil. Or maybe you sharing your faith for the first time and asking them to make a profession of faith is actually digging the holes for the seeds. And maybe your presence amongst them and actually loving them and showing them the love of Christ is you putting up the fence so that the other animals won't come and steal the fruit before it's too ripe. We tend to want to see the fruit, not realizing, family, that God is pleased with each of the aspects of the process because each of these are ambassadorial works. We are able to serve God. Each of them represent him. And so a reason why we pray is that prayer is the work of salvation. Going back to the Matthew passage, God responds to prayers as we see all throughout scripture, y'all. Like think about some of the things in scripture. Zechariah got his prayer answered that he forgot that he even prayed in the first place. In Isaiah 62, verses six and seven, it says that God has made some people that have the gift of intercession, prayer warriors is what we would call them, so that they do not give God's ear a break because God loves to hear the prayers of the saints. In the book of Revelation, it says that your prayers, check family, are incense before God. I know I often think, man, God, I wanna please you Well, prayer is part of that because they are sweet aroma to his nose. They are a fragrance to his presence. Our prayers are valuable, y'all. And so it's a part of the work. And not only are the prayers effective in other people's lives, but they're effective in our life too, as we get that intimacy with God. Notice, in fact, that he told the disciples to pray for the harvest I know we've been talking about this a little bit, but look back at that Matthew passage again. He says to pray for the harvest. And then he sent them out as an answer to their own prayer requests. When you pray, you should be ready to respond because we often pray with our minds and our mouth and God answers those prayers with our hands and our feet. It spurs us to action. That's point three of why we pray because it spurs us to action. Throughout the scripture, we see why prayer is important because it moves our hands in people's lives. 
In fact, in the book of Acts, which is by far the most evangelistic book in the Bible, prayer is mentioned over 31 times. That's over one time per chapter. Outside of Luke's writings, the next closest New Testament uh, book that mentions prayer is 16 times. And so Acts doubles any other book's reference on prayer. Why? Because prayer is necessary in the work of evangelism. If we are to see hearts turn towards Christ, prayer is a part of that process. Why else do we pray? Well, because evangelism is scary at times, isn't it? Oh, just me? I'd be scared in this mug, right? And I'm from the hood and I'm still scared, right? Like, listen, even though people are rejecting you or or, or they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus, it feels like they're rejecting you, doesn't it? Because oftentimes they can't delineate the two in their heads. In fact, neither can God, because when God sees you, he sees you like Jesus as well. So praise God, hallelujah. But they pray for boldness all of the time and they pray as they share. In fact, we see in Acts chapter four and chapter five, they're praying for boldness over and over and over again once persecution begins to arise. And so not only are we praying for harvest, but what we should pray for is boldness as well, because it can get hard to continue to share with people who do not know Jesus We often see in other places, Paul not just praying for boldness, but he prays for open doors as well. And all the time he's praying that doors would be open to the gospel message and that people would be responding to the truth of the gospel. If you look, it'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn here, but uh, Colossians chapter four, Paul says this beginning in verse two. He says, continue steadfastly in what? Amen. Half of y'all still with me. Praise God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Being watchful in it. In what? In thanksgiving. At the same time, what do we do? Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. In the early church, they had a 10-day prayer meeting And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, verse four. And then 3,000 people got saved in Acts chapter two, verse 41. To Ari Tori's point, the first widespread revival began in a humble prayer meeting. Prayer brings salvation, y'all. The scriptures are pretty clear about that. Also, why else do we pray, family? Well, we pray also because souls are spiritual. That's another reason why we pray. We're doing the physical work of sharing, but we know that salvation is actually a spiritual work that starts in the soul first, permeates that, and then transforms all of our life. And so prayer in that sense is spiritual and prayer is also spiritual warfare. In fact, in Ephesians uh, chapter six, Beginning in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Jump down to verse 18. Paul says that we should be praying at all times in the spirit with all what? And, which is a fancy way of saying prayer. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making what? For all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, there it is again, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. 
Remember the spiritual reality of last week or even in our Peter series, like darkness or demonic strongholds are often at work in the lives of those who do not know Jesus. Now look, I know we don't like talking about this in the West or we don't like thinking about this kind of language, but it's really, really clear, y'all. Like it's often why when some people come to know Jesus as their savior, there's an immediate release of substance abuse. You ever met those stories? Or there's an immediate release of depression or there's an immediate release of this anger. Not always because not all of those things are spiritual, but at times that happens, y'all. Why? Because there are spiritual forces at work as well. We need to pray because there is a battle going on for people's souls, beloved. We need to pray. In 1858, there was actually a really large prayer movement going around in the States and in England. And uh, for a fairly large window, uh, the criminal courts and the jails had to close down because there were no cases to try. Y'all may think this is cat, but I'm telling you, prayer works. Okay? That's why, once again, we should be praying for Afghanistan. On this side of the States, where there's little to no influence, that's the best thing that we can do. In fact, even if we had full influence, that would still be the best thing that we can do because prayer is important. It moves the hand of God. Do you know that Afghanistan is currently the second fastest growing church in the world? And prayer is one of their evangelism tools. They pray all the time that Muslims would actually have dreams of Jesus. And guess what? It happens all the time. People are converting left and right. It is the second fastest growing church in the world, y'all. Don't miss that sentence. And so God is moving there. I don't think it's a mistake that part of what is happening right now then is spiritual in nature. We like to only look at the physical elements and that is important. We are a people that believe deeply in the physical, but we believe in the spiritual as well, y'all. Like when I read these reports about the Taliban going around and collecting reports of every woman between the ages of 12 and 45 and then marking their doors or their houses with a red X and people being afraid that they're going to take these women as slaves or as sex slaves, let's not get it twisted, that's darkness. That is evil, y'all. Let's not play around with this, right? There is spiritual evil and darkness, no matter what you think should or shouldn't have happened politically up to this point. Like there is evil that is at work. They are specifically targeting Christians. They have hit lists against them and they're going out to kill them, even though the Christians are the main one that are advocating for love and the advancement and flourishing of their very society, Why is there death threats over them? There is a warfare spiritually going on physically right in front of our eyes. And so because the spiritual world is real, we pray against evil, y'all. And as Huli even prayed in her prayer, maybe God is provoking your heart so strongly towards the nations because your one place is over there. God may be calling you to do something about it with the message of reconciliation to move in very beautiful ways. Whether it is here in the States or there, what we do know is we've been called and commissioned by God. People love to act like prayer doesn't work, y'all. I'm so sick of that. When tragedy happens, it's like, don't just pray. No, skip that. That's the main thing we should be doing. Prayer, it works. Like, I know of a man who was a terrorist and who killed Christians specifically under a politically and socially funded and approved government regime. And then someone prayed for him and Saul, who you know as Paul, converted and wrote half the New Testament. Unless we don't believe this is a real story. (laughs) 
right? Like the first line of justice, men and women of God, is the cross of Christ because it not just stops the violence from occurring, it completely reverses the violence and begins to create good on this earth as well. We pray that the kingdom would come, y'all. Gospel advancement. And so this is true in heartbreaking things like Afghanistan and in simple spiritual void amongst our family and friends, y'all. Prayer is effective. It is why we pray, because it is effective. Do you hear that? It is effective, y'all. It is why we pray. Check out this really, really weird, weird mystery back here in Matthew. We are told to pray to the Lord of the harvest for the harvest. And so when you pray for lost people, you're praying for souls that Jesus may have already purchased, and then therefore you're praying into the very will of God. You check that? That is why Jesus gave them authority and told them where to go. There's a mystery of God's work here and our work colliding in some pretty cool ways, y'all. We get to partner with the God of the universe in the midst of this. Now we can think, oh, well, well, I don't have that same authority, but no friend, you do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great commission. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. You now have authority as well over the spiritual world that as the spirit of God works within you, you can see beautiful things happen right before your eyes. We, like the disciples, are to step out and boldly trust that God will use us to make much of his name. Really, y'all, in some ways, all of this is just taking Jesus at his word. Like just believing that what he says is true, believing that prayer works, believing that prayer is effective, believing that the harvest is plentiful, y'all, because it is. We often think, or at least I know I often think, like is there anyone that's really interested in Jesus I think that because I try to share it. I'm like, I don't really know if people really care that much. But look, y'all, you would have said that same thing about me before I came to know Christ. In fact, I remember one time very, very clearly, if you've been at the well for a while, you've heard this story, but I was in the mall, me and all my boys, and we were going, sneaking into a movie theater. I ain't gonna cap with you, all right? And so we were in there trying to sneak our way in and this woman came and she was like, "Uh, hey, is that a varsity jacket? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, uh, what sport do you play? And I was like, what sport don't I play? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was like, I play football. That's my main sport. And she was like, oh, that's really cool. Do you love it? I was like, yeah. She was like, cool. What would happen if on Friday night you went out there, got hit in the head and died? Do you know where you'd go when you die? I was like, dang, right? Like dog, okay. And so what happened? Yo, I blazed that woman. I started making so much fun of her. I don't know what I said, but it probably can't be repeated on stage. I know it started with, you little, and then something else after that, all right? And literally, I began to make fun of her and like roast her and like try to make her feel awful about herself. And then I went and I saw the movie and then I went home at night and I was laying on my bed and I was like, Dag, what, what would happen to me if I died tonight? And I started thinking about her very question, right? You see, uh, I wanted to know, but then I mocked those who told me. This is a promise of God that the harvest is plentiful and that people actually do want their souls to be nurtured in Christ. And we get to walk in this. We just have to believe it, y'all. That woman does not know that I'm up here preaching today. In the kingdom, she will. Because she was a part of that work, y'all. 
Like, listen, I know prayer can feel discouraging at times. Don't give up the work of prayer, y'all. It is effective. Remember, part of our prayer might be tilling the soil. That might have been what that woman was doing, getting it just loose enough to where when the next person came along, I was a little bit more ready to hear those works. And so prayers, praying for people specifically, hence the five people in that tool is effective because it makes us think, who should I be praying for? It's effective to make your heart Uh, compassionate towards the brokenness of this world, and it's effective at getting broken people's heart to turn towards the lover of their soul and the physician of life. I want to give a confession, okay? I am not the greatest at evangelism. It is something that I actually personally really struggle with. When the elders began to really feel like God was leading us towards doing this series, I remember uh, thinking like, dog, I'm gonna have to get up here and preach about something that I do not do well. I'm obedient in it, but I am not very effective in it. And as we begin to read books and think about it, one of the things that struck me, which is a small aside, but I hope to give you encouragement even through this confession, is you actually see Jesus often sending people out two by two. In fact, in the same passage in Luke chapter 10, verse one, it says that he sent them out two by two. Why? Because I think there's accountability when somebody else is with you. And so one of my encouragements is even in your one place as you're thinking about it, maybe you find somebody that's going to partner with you there because we kind of encourage one another in the faith like the cherubim and seraphim that are singing to one another louder and louder. So we get to do that as well when we are with each other. But ultimately, I do know this, y'all. Even though I struggle, I have seen God move in unbelievable ways. And the reason I confess my struggle is that what I often find is when there is a void in my soul, when I feel like, man, I just need healing, I actually often find it when I'm sharing my faith with others. I like begin to feel God move in unbelievable ways. And so at times we can think, oh, like, why is this important? And and man, why don't we focus on the, the soul and what it is? This is maybe one of the strongest things that nurtures our soul to health, y'all. Ultimately, Prayer is saying we need God's power. That's the last thing of what we pray. If we're going to see this work accomplished, we need God's power. I know y'all have been wondering why is this like little urn thing up here? It's like, is this just like a little aesthetic? It's not, okay? Uh, This is actually uh, where uh, my grandmother's ashes are kept. And so uh, my grandmother passed away uh, about two years ago. And uh, man, there was all this gospel uh, work that was happening in her life right before she passed away. And so we wanted to like kind of commemorate that and put them in here. And so one of the things that I'd be thinking about, oh God, gotcha. She said, oh my God. Young preachers, this is how you make people forget everything you just said, all right? Uh, They're not special about that, okay? Uh, I use this in preaching class for a reason. Uh, Listen, the Bible says at multiple places that before coming to faith in Christ, we are dead in our sins. We are dead. And so which of us has the power to speak and to bring dead things to life, y'all? Like, real talk. If my grandmother's ashes were in there, who in here would have the power to come speak to it and then all of a sudden she resurrects and comes back to life again? Does anybody have that power? I know someone who does. 
the Lord does. In fact, we see him doing it all the time. And so if we are spiritually dead in our sins, which of us has the power to share the gospel and then all of a sudden to bring someone that was dead back to life? But if we are praying for souls, we are partnering with God and with the spirit of God. And I believe the spirit of God is the very person of God and he could do work to turn dead things to life. That's why all of us who were dead are worshiping God today because God brings dead things to life. Hallelujah. And prayer is the key to conversion. So practically, friends, this is not complex, y'all. We just pray. When we say pray for two hours, here's how I practically apply that. Uh, I have to pray for very specific things each day because I'm too ADD to like uh, just kind of randomly pray. I like start trying to and then my brain is like, oh, look, a dove. I wonder why the Holy Spirit is a dove. And also I'm over here, right? And so uh, on Thursdays, I actually pray for missionaries and missions or evangelism. And I write down people to pray for, the whole five people thing. I do that. And there are people that I pray for by name. And so when we say two hours, like it's not like I'm physically spending two hours there, but I'm intentional to really be praying for people. And look, y'all, I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of prayer and I get a text from my old neighbor that's like, yo, I don't know what's going on, but like, can you pray for me? I'm like, beat you to it, dog. I'm already praying. And it is a witness to the power of God. The other thing I do in the midst of this is right now my one place is Gregory Gym at UT. And as I'm walking there, I pray. It's like an eight minute walk from where I park. And so I just pray. And so sure enough, Friday I'm there and I'm praying one that my back would be healed because it's all jacked up right now. And I'm like, God, let me just hoop today. I did too, Osaki. I was balling out there. Right? And the other thing I pray for is people. And look, I can't tell you, every time I do it, when I forget, it never happens. When I remember to pray, people come up and they're like, hey, yo, dog, what's your name? And it's like they want that relationship. I think that God is opening doors. We need God's power if we're to see God's work. And do you know why you can trust this clearly and most fully? It's because of the person of Jesus. Because of the death of Christ, we get access to God. Before, we should not have been able to have our prayers be heard. But on the cross, Jesus is interceding to the Father, experiencing that rejection that you and I might know as we go into the throne room of grace, we will never be rejected by God. Through the death of Christ, you get prayerful presence. However, Jesus ain't dead. He did not stay dead. He rose, and his resurrection, it gives us power. And what is Jesus doing right now, y'all? He is interceding. According to Paul in Romans 8, Jesus is interceding for us right now. Jesus is praying, even right now, for you and for the harvest. And so when you pray, it makes you more like Jesus because Jesus is praying right now. In fact, it isn't just Jesus, but the Holy Spirit of God earlier in Romans chapter eight is said to be taking our prayers and translating them to the Father. And so that means we don't really know how to pray, but when we do pray, the Spirit takes those, intercedes for us, and he begins to pray on our behalf as well meaning your prayers will always be effective because even when you ill pray, God is so for you that he takes those, changes those, and answers them according to his will. Shoot. God is good, y'all. Come on. 
Listen, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you do not have to fret even over what you pray. The true prayer warrior is praying for you. And this very thing should make us want to pray. For in prayer, we are partnering to see God's will accomplished. This is the benefit of the Christian, y'all. Do I fully understand prayer? No cap? No, not at all, right? But I do know that we tend to make it so complex and so theological. And when it's all said and done, it's really simple, y'all. Jesus said to pray for the harvest. Let's do it. Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray. Even right now, will you join me in praying as Jesus commanded us to? Um, God, I want to begin in confession and just saying, gosh, I desire to pray more. We desire, God, I pray this on behalf of our church, to pray more. And so, God, we pray right now that you would bring many people to faith through us. God, that you would give us boldness and confidence and encouragement and zeal for the loss. That we would have compassion, Father God, God, use us as laborers to do the very work that you have commissioned us to do. God, give us that one place where you want us to be intentional. I pray that we'd be witnesses wherever we go. But I pray that we'd specifically, God, feel encouraged to be focused on some place where we wouldn't kind of pass the baton off to just whatever and whenever, but that we would be sent by you. God, think about this passage in Matthew chapter 10, verse 6, just a few verses later. You told the disciples exactly what to do and where to go. So would you speak to us about that place? Would you give us boldness there? God, I pray for those who may be in this room who do not have a relationship with you. As we talk about reaching the lost and sharing the gospel, maybe today for the first time you're hearing that God desires a relationship with you. Before giving my life to Christ, the last sermon that I remember hearing as a non-Christian was actually on evangelism. And I remember being tempted this whole time to kind of almost feel like a project. And at the end of the sermon, somebody said, there is nothing, nothing, nothing else that matters but this. And that we're fearful to do it, and so we don't. And I remember thinking, I'd be scared of that too, because of how I mocked that woman. <laughs> and yet you use that to stir my heart. And so, friend, I want you to know, if you're in the room today, you do not know Jesus. Listen, we give this whole thing because we really believe that there's life in Christ. We desire you to know Jesus. That is true. That is our goal as Christians, is for you to know the very person who transformed our life as well. And so God, I pray for those who may not have a relationship with you, that today they would choose to follow you, that they would give their lives, surrender, that they would try to figure out what is this God of the Bible that this man is talking about? What, who is this God that we are singing to? You can have access to. And God, I pray for us 
who are believers, who have made that profession of place, would you give us intentionality in our place? Would you remind us to pray, Spirit of God? Would you allow us to be present and to share and proclaim and to love people that you have bled and died for, Jesus? We pray these things in your blessed and in your beautiful name. Amen.